A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Smackdown preview. I'm Michael Hamlet from What Culture and I'm joined by Phil Chambers from What Culture to look ahead to tonight's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But before we get into that, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We review Raw, SmackDown, AW, Dynamite, NXT, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtables, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Thank God that is like doing the Krypton Factor Assault course. But <laughs> I love how you had to kind of psych yourself up. Like you took a little pause and you're like, okay, and... Here we go. <laughs> He's got a switch on the back for him to do that, you know. Like it's just, he, uh, it's like it's a pole like, It's just yeah, it's just he's Woody from Toy Story when it comes to that spiel, man. Honestly, um, I'm joined by Phil Chambers, as you just heard the voice of there, to look ahead to tonight's show. Um, Phil, you're very much the Big Mac of Smacky D's here at uh, WhatCulture.com. Um, a challenging episode of SmackDown last week, I thought. A bit of a break from the norm. Um, before we get into previewing this week's, so I just wondered, like, some brief thoughts on last week's episode on what should have been, obviously, their traditional fallout from Hell in a Cell. A lot of it, other than the main event sequence, very much like felt like they were still on pause despite the big changes ahead. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. I think especially coming off Hell in a Cell, like, it's just, it's Hell in a Cell. It should be a big blow-off to feuds and, like, end it and then move on. And a lot of it felt like it was just kind of there just to get through it more than anything else um and then sort of a difficult place on tv like even the roman stuff like it felt like they kind of jumped the gun a little bit with the jay uso stuff like it was mm. one week they were at odds and then the next week i like the jimmy uso stuff like going missing to keep the bit of intrigue in but then like jay was acknowledging roman and then they kind of carried that on obviously uh last week as well but i thought even even that like was probably the first little sort of wobble that we've seen in that storyline since Roman Reigns came back. But other than that, it's been like the Bailey match. Like I enjoyed the the mixed, um, the intergender match thing that they had, but it just feels like the same stuff that we've seen ages and just an excuse to keep doing it somehow. Uh, it just feels like the, gem, the show in, gen, in general kind of, kind of lacked a little bit of focus last week. Yeah, I think it's the reason why they're running six commercials per pay-per-view to buy tickets for the new shows rather than just running good angles to sell tickets instead. <laughs> um, you touched on Roman Reigns there. Obviously, currently as it stands, Jey Uso is AWOL, but yeah. Jimmy is seemingly pledging his loyalty to Roman. Having He doesn't want to be his bitch, was his words. Like, he got last week's bitch. Um, yeah. But he's willing to support him, whether or not he's trying to play a long game here. Um we don't know. But if he is playing a long game, then he took a hell of a beating for it last week because, of course, we had the surprise return of Edge. He ploughed Jimmy through a barrier and almost got his... Well, he got his hands on Roman, but he didn't quite get enough of him, didn't quite get all he wanted. And then after that surprise return, we were given the announcement that it would indeed be Roman Reigns versus Edge at Money in the Bank. Um, 
WWE aren't promoting much to, for SmackDown tonight, but one of the things obviously they're leaning heavy on is the return of Edge, is how Roman Reigns is going to respond, and the news of this match. What's your thoughts on all of that, and I guess specifically the fact that they're doing Edge and Roman now as, like, I think it's fair to call it the first big main event uh, of the new crowd era, the return to the old new normal, I guess. They're, they're going with Edge and Roman as their first big showpiece for that. Yeah, I don't think you can beat a kind of marquee match for fans coming back when Edge versus Roman. Obviously, we all kind of expected it to happen at WrestleMania and then all the Daniel Bryan stuff got in the way, um, which at first I was kind of, well, this is strange. But then as it turned out, eventually I thought it may be for the better. I thought it was actually quite a good story in the long run. Um, but Edge is back. He's got that baby face fire in his belly again. Um, it's going to be interesting how he explains away his character change leading into WrestleMania season mm. and now coming back as what you'd expect to be a top baby face going up against the top heel of Roman Reigns. Um, but I, if anyone can do it, it's Edge. He's absolutely fantastic on the microphone and I'm sure he's thought of some reasoning behind it or some explanation uh, that he can use to go into this. But interested to see, yeah, like I say, how they, how they explain away the Edge um, character change and B, what happens with this Jey Uso thing now? Because he's been missing, and it's two weeks now, I think he's been missing yeah. off SmackDown. Um, and they've obviously sort of leaned into it and talked about it. And it's added a, another layer to that storyline that I wasn't really expecting. I didn't see just Jey Uso getting really annoyed and <laughs> packing his bag and going yeah. home <laughs> as part of this story arc. Uh, but I'm kind of into it. I'm, I'm willing to see where, the, where it goes. Like... Um, We've talked about the Roman Reigns announcement saying he's the best in the world, but also like part of that is just saying how much care and effort he's put into this storyline. And I think it obviously shows being definitely the best thing in WWE and yeah. by far the longest storyline they've told in a many, many years <laughs> um, <laughs> that he's putting all this care and effort into it. So I've, I've got to I've got to give them the benefit of the doubt as to where they're going with this. And I'm just intrigued to see, see what, what exactly it is. Yeah, I, I kind of I welcomed that, like the inclusion, the the little wrinkle with Jimmy Uso seemingly pledging his allegiance to Roman when we're allowed to believe that maybe that's not the case. Maybe yeah. Jimmy is trying now to rethink how to deal with this control that Roman has over Jay. Maybe this is what we're getting, a sort of a, a longer plan from him. Um, I'm interested, WWE have set themselves a challenge, which they never normally do because they book their entire product into oblivion to avoid this kind of challenge. But... There was nothing wrong with Roman stacking up Edge and Bryan at WrestleMania. It was a conclusive, satisfying victory for the most dominant man in the company. Yeah. They have a, a challenge on their hands tonight. They can't just fall back on what we all assumed, which would be Daniel Bryan getting pinned to sort of protect Edge for this inevitable rematch, for Edge doing the usual, well, he didn't beat me. And it's like, well, he, he still won the match that you were in. You just yeah. happened not to win it. They didn't give themselves like out of jail free card. And I like that. And I welcome... What it does is it forces creativity. Like yes. necessity is the mother of invention. And what the necessity here is, is to actually find a logical reason. Edge has been given the match by magic powers. We don't know. Adam Pearce, Sonia Deville, who knows? He's got the match. It's a graphic. It's official. <laughs> right? But Knight's job, I guess, for Edge is to convincingly explain why he deserves it. Have you got any thoughts on like how they'll work around the fact that they actually committed to something back at WrestleMania? Uh I honestly think they he'll probably I, I see him if he's gonna go back into sort of babyface edge mode, I can see him saying that like his ego or whatever like got the better of him leading into WrestleMania and that led to him 
sort of being overwhelmed by his own emotions or something, which like it wasn't like the the sort of the best that Edge can be at WrestleMania because he had all these other things that was like the emotions around the situation and coming back and having his dream taken away, like put him off his game. And now he's come back, he's sort of reassessed his focus, reassessed like where his head's at uh, and can now come back at it with a sort of fresh, like open mind kind of thing with just a sole goal of taking down Roman Reigns. And I think, I think he, I think he'll find a way of explaining it around that. I think the other question mark I've got for this as well is Roman teased a big announcement or teased something last week when he was saying like I've beaten everyone, and it's quite true he has beaten everyone. He is way like leagues ahead of anyone else on the SmackDown roster at the minute. So like he was he was teasing something before Edge came back. Do you think we ever go back to that, or do you think that's just going to be one of those things that gets lost? <laughs> The, the only thing it felt like they were teeing up, and it was obviously teeing up to be interrupted than actually be announced, yeah. was that with nobody left to beat, like he doesn't like need the title anymore. He doesn't need to be there anymore. But then that's tricky because if you're going to be the head of the table, you've got to actually sit at the table. Yeah. So it, like, I don't know if they, like my gut feeling was they were wanting us to think that ahead of the, the music interruption and outcome and edge, because that's, it's kind of illogical for this character. You could sort of justify it with Brock Lesnar. I've made all the money I need to make and I've beaten everybody and now I'm off. Um, what I do like is that they can, whatever that announcement was going to be, if it was indeed Roman thinking, you know what, I don't need this belt. Like, I don't need any of this now. I've just proven my dominance. It, it doesn't quite marry up with head of the table tribal chief stuff, but it certainly does marry up if that wants to tease John Cena back for a match at SummerSlam or Brock Lesnar or these other big dream matches that we've heard muted for Roman yeah. over the next few months. So I think that's there for if and when he beats Edge, at least, I guess. I like that pitch for Edge as well. I much prefer that to him just growling spear and rubbing his hands through his hair really quickly. <laughs> like, I, I would like it if they put that level of thought into it. So it's it's something, I think it's nice that um, they've, like, yet again, found a sort of, Money in the Bank's not like a B-show in the sense of Hell in a Cell or a WrestleMania backlash, but they've done a pretty great job of establishing a B-show opponent for a Roman. Like, uh, it's... To think that it's going to be edge money in the bank means you can think even bigger for SummerSlam, and that's yeah. pretty exciting too. Um, sticking with money in the bank, uh, like I'm with Sami Zayn. WWE have created a ridiculous problem where they've got this conspiracy, like conspiracy hollering crank that is the voice of reason. <laughs> like that shouldn't happen. Sami Zayn <laughs> is probably right. He has beaten Kevin Owens. And money in the bank passes are just being handed out like sweets by the authority figures. And yet he has to have a last man standing match with the person he's beat just to qualify. Now, we're not here to um, criticise the quality of a potential last man standing match between Zami Zayn and Kevin Owens. We've all seen it before. But yeah. the quality bar is as such that you can kind of be like, right, OK, I'll get through this one more time because there are stakes attached. What's your feelings on this match, the arrangement of it, the potential quality and who you think is going to win? I still think Sami Zayn's got to win this. I mean, there's still been the rumours of Kevin Owens taking a bit of time off. I mean, that lasted two weeks before he came back. <laughs> so whether they just were like, oh, can we do this one last match? And then you can have some time off, like maybe, or maybe the talks of time off was just either rubbish or just taken away from him at the last minute. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but I still think Sami Zayn needs this more than Kevin Owens does at the minute. Um, and the last man standing match, there's lots of easy outs there for Sammy to gain a, a cheeky win. I was thinking, like it's only just popped into my head, but like I've been imagining situations where, because WWE, whenever they get new sets and things, they always like to destroy the old ones somehow and then Ooh, move on with yeah. the new. 
but there's still a few Thunderdome shows before Money in the Bank. And maybe if this was like the last Smackdown before Money in the Bank and you did a big set where the like Sammy knocks the set down and it traps Kevin Owens or something, that would be a great way of writing the Thunderdome off and then moving mm. back to crowds with Money in the Bank. Um, but it's a, but yeah, there's still definitely some Thunderdome shows after this, isn't there? So we can't do something big like that. Yeah, obviously, because they've got to use it for Raw. And yeah. you know, I will say, though, like that's something I hadn't really considered. Kevin Owens is known for talking about these things in terms of toys, isn't he? Like he likes yeah. to play with toys when there's a big match. And Sami Zayn, of course, is that like the two of them will probably do anything to each other and give their bodies to each other for the benefit of this meaning something or at least somebody remembering something from this match. You know, the, yeah. the millionth they've had. It's kind of like here in the middle of, you know, well, at the start of July, you're not particularly like fertile period for WWE television. So they'll be looking for this to like stick out a bit of a desert rose. So yeah, like I hadn't really thought about it like that. And I hope, I, I, I always go back to Kevin Owens being the first one to run up the raw skate ramp. Yeah. And do that jump. We'd had months of that. And it was like, who's going to actually take a leap at that? And it was Owens and it was great. Yeah. So, and yeah, then Mal, like, he was talking about jumping off the pirate ship at WrestleMania and stuff. It's yeah. like, he sees these things and he's like, I, I'm going to do that at some point. I want to do that, yeah. It's, if not complete wanton destruction of the Thunderdome, they can certainly do more of a number on it than Retribution ever did. Um, <laughs> for, for the benefit of getting this this match over. Um, I will say as well, like the, in terms of money in the bank and how the qualifiers have been, it's been so weird across oh, all brands of WWE. It makes no sense. Like you've got money in the bank pay-per-view and it's in a set amount of weeks. It should be the easiest tv to write if just having qualifying matches for it and then on war they kind of gave away like 75 percent of the war entrance in one show like three four weeks before money in the bank and then you move over to smackdown and you think okay they're having qualifying matches this is really good they've got like one qualifying match a week leading up to money in the bank that's a lot of tv time you can fill and still plug the pay-per-view at the same time but then on the women's side they just kind of throw some uh, Carmelo in there and then make Liv Morgan beat Carmelo who's already in and then she beats the person who's already in the match to get into it and it makes absolutely no sense like why is there not just a little bit of set rules for how you get into money in the bank and then keep it as a sort of tournament kind of thing where you have qualifiers and then you get easy easy tv time to write leading into it it seems like a no-brainer and yet they still manage to complicate it so much no brainer is a perfect choice of words because there is no brains assembling this money in the bank match like <laughs> well, this pay-per-view it, yeah like let's let's go to that actually because the lack of established ways into this match has made it one of the more convoluted, probably in Money in the Bank history. Um, as you say, Raw's had tag matches, Raw's had last chance triple threats and the like of, of ways to get in. And SmackDown, I guess it's like in the draft where Raw gets three and SmackDown gets two because you've got a, less of an hour to play with. So maybe you can say, well, that's why Raw gets more of the match than SmackDown does. But particularly egregious was last week's segment, um, as you sort of pointed out there, between uh, Carmella and Liv Morgan. As a recap for anybody that didn't see it, um, Sonia Deville announced that Carmella, as a two-time Money in the Bank winner, was going to be in the match. Um, perhaps not the best night to do that when you've got Edge returning as a two-time Money in the Bank winner and then him getting a title match instead of getting put into the ladder match as well. Again, absolutely zero consistency across the board. Um, Carmella gets this. In spite of the fact that, and I know wins and losses don't matter in WWE, they don't have rankings, but she just lost to Liv Morgan. I think it was two weeks earlier in a singles match. Liv Morgan comes out and makes this point, this very justifiable point. Hold on a second. Um, I want that slot in Money in the Bank. Now, the subtext of all of this 
is that they both have to get in because they make up the entire SmackDown women's division outside of the people fighting for the title and the tag team champions. I was just going like, to say that, actually. It just popped into my head that they can't, they physically can't do qualifying matches on SmackDown because they've only got seven women. So four of them would be in the match and then you've got three others. So you, there's not enough people there to do qualifying matches. It's the whole division. You can't make up a full Money in the Bank match with the SmackDown women's roster. No, it's seen like <laughs> Hamela and Liv Morgan make up the entire division of people that aren't otherwise engaged in a program yet. Um, and Wikipedia, for some reason, generously has like always allotted Maurice to the SmackDown brand. And I don't imagine yeah. she's giving up a ladder anytime soon, <laughs> when she's, like making far more money off reality TV shows with the Miz and her kids. Yeah, like hugely logical. They weren't even Liv Morgan won. Um, they weren't super crystal clear about Liv Morgan featuring Money in the Bank to the point where you would find different reports online. We're, we're going to go on the assumption that she is. She has qualified for Money in the Bank as a result of the victory over Carmella. Carmella is not out of the match. She yeah. had no motivation to work that match whatsoever. She could have said, well, I'm not taking bumps, I forfeit. Like, if I can't lose anything from this, why would I bother wrestling the match just to stop Liv Morgan? It's fine. Yeah. There's still going to be seven other people I've got to contend with. Um, Bailey, we're going to get onto shortly. But there was something else troubling about the Liv Morgan-Carmella match that made no sense was that midway through the match, the cameras cut to Natalia and Tamina looking on the screen, as all wrestlers do backstage, from a side angle, holding their belts. Now, is the tag team division so goddamn warped that rather than them looking at teams, they just now think, hang on, those two wrestlers are fighting each other. If there's one thing we know, it's that fighting people team up with each other. Before Money in the Bank... Liv Morgan and Carmella somehow going to be forced not only to have wrestled each other like three times in four weeks, but to team up and try and become tag team champions against Natalia. And to, it, Phil, explain this to me. <laughs> can't explain it. Can't. The only thing I can think of is that Natalia and Tamina, are, it's like so ingrained in every fibre of their being that they wrestle Liv Morgan and someone else every single week and beat them, that they just see, oh, Liv Morgan and someone else, let's beat them. <laughs> just that's just what they do like forever <laughs> historically forever that's all that's happened there's the smackdown is in desperate need of some women on this roster at the minute like you've got seven active wrestlers mm. one is your champion two are tag team champions that leaves you five people to do something with and they've struggled for a long time to get any storylines in the women's roster that don't revolve around the belts and even yeah. when they've revolved them around the belts they've still been iffy at best <laughs> recently hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Thank you for mentioning both. Well, thank you for mentioning both the belt and iffy at best as a perfect segue to talk about the end of that um, mixed tag match last week between Bailey and Seth Rollins versus Bianca Belair and Cesaro. It looked on paper the, I know at Hell in a Cell, Seth Rollins had said, oh, that's 1-1, we've leveled up, and you've got that kind of like sinking feeling that they'll have to run a rubber match yeah. when the feud is feeling about a geez. Um, But the match itself seemed perfect in terms of existing for something a little bit fun and something a little bit creative, uh, which I'm not, I'm not really sure it was. I don't think they made the best use of like I was a big advocate of Bianca doing those squat press slams with Seth because she's strong yeah. enough and Cesaro doing the swing on Bailey because it's probably like falls in between what they would consider like intergender violence. You yeah, know, Bailey- almost more embarrassing than anything else. Like how Seth yeah. sold it was just an, a huge embarrassment. It just seemed two perfect spots that they elected not to use that much. It was a big shame. But ultimately, we proved this last week, myself and Will Bonn, and it was like, well, at least when the baby faces win... That's going to completely tie up Bianca and uh, uh, Bailey. It was already tied up, but that, that ties puts a bow on it. And yeah. it's Zara's little, look, I can. Let's have one more. Let's have a decider. Uh, then the frigging heels went over. <laughs> so you got the reverse <laughs> of both. You got Seth saying, well, it's one more at the pay-per-view, but I'm kind of done in a tag match. So game over. I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. And like, I want to talk about Seth in a minute, because there was another another detail about Seth in last week's match. So we'll come to the Seth and Cesaro half of this second, but let's talk again, because we're just not allowed to talk about anything else. About Bailey and Bianca Belair. We love Bailey and Bianca Belair on this podcast across what culture. Of course we do. It's Bailey and Bianca Belair. I don't want to see them wrestle anymore. And by the virtue of this victory, I feel like I'm going to be made to. Yeah, the sooner we get Sasha back into this mix, the better. Like I was expecting Hell in a Cell. There's two matches now for the title on pay per view that Bailey's lost. That's so enough. good as well. Hell in a Cell was it so was, yeah. really good. Uh, and also, yeah, it's a bloody Hell in a Cell match. That's mm-hmm. blow off. That's it. That's done now. Move on to something else. But we're back to the same issue of there not being anyone in that bloody roster on SmackDown. And I just thought, like, as we're counting the people, the seven people, one champion, two are tag team champions, one Sasha. She hasn't even been there for a bunch of months. <laughs> yeah. um, so- I-, I mentioned this to Wilborn. Sasha will have had as long off this year as she did in 2019 when there was a good chance she was going to walk away. Oh, like she's gone from them thinking, oh, we can just have her lose at WrestleMania. We don't care about her to knowing her value so much that she could leave under no cloud and get the exact amount of time off. Like she's a genius. She's played an absolute. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so yeah, I was always just expecting the next 
leg of this storyline to be the triple threat match between the three of them because it kind of makes sense. You've got the tie-in with Bailey and Sasha. Neither of them have beaten Bianca. And I guess Bianca wins and then that's it. Like, move on to something fresh. But there is nothing new. There is nothing to move on to. So they've got themselves stuck in this little corner of just having to repeat themselves, even though they've just had this massive blow-off match in a Hell in a Cell that should definitely end a feud. And Bailey has no right to expect another match apart from winning this intergender tag match on SmackDown. It just I, doesn't make any I, sense. I could honestly see um, Bailey. She's such a like a polymath of a performer at this point, as has been required of her. Like I could honestly see them doing something like her like wrangling one more shot that nobody like a match nobody wants to see for money in the bank but then it's not a match Bianca rolls her up in like four seconds or something and like hands together like I already thought was finished with you now absolute conclusive proof that I am finished with you and then Bailey like forces away into money in the bank later on on the card like either she beats somebody up backstage or she like there was a mystery spot or she just becomes the ninth person in an eight woman match whatever like It's this like it becomes this like desperation and like that she doesn't even need to win the case, but that at least sidelines Bailey's character off in a different direction from Belair herself. I yeah. can't, I cannot see them trying to sell us on like a fifteen-minute television. We promise this is the end match because it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel real, does it? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I like that. On on that tick, we have to get back to Seth and Cesaro. Um, it's it's much of the Owen Zane thing. I get why people say things like, well, I wouldn't get bored of seeing them wrestle. But, like, really ask that question. Like, it's okay to be bored of watching them wrestle. Because even artists like Rollins and especially Cesaro are, like, it is okay to get bored of combinations, even if you like the wrestlers, and bored of stories. And I think they've done everything. This Like, they did the humiliation of the swing before WrestleMania, Cesaro felt made. They transitioned him into a one-month thing with Roman. Um, Seth fumed, like returned, destroyed him, looked evil, went silly again, and they had this decent but, like, I'd say slightly underwhelming match at Hell in a Cell, like a singles match. Like, 1-1 means you need a decider. I I think you have to go for something like an Ironman match, maybe, um, or two out of three falls, they seem to like doing something like that. Yeah, something that again, like, gives you the like holds up the veneer of something being conclusive. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet. So, what else is there really left to say between these two that's going to get us there? Yeah, that's the issue I think with this is the actual storylines of the week to week actually getting to this final sort of rubber match. Um, it's uh, it felt like when it started that this was a really good one month feud and like yeah. a stepping stone for Cesaro and like you say then he moved on to Roman Reigns but then it's I guess maybe sort of a byproduct of the sort of Roman being so at the top of his game and at the top of this card is that once you do fail to Roman then what and like we talk about the women's roster on Smackdown being thin like the men's roster only has like 20 people I think on it it's mm. like a tiny roster really when you think of how what WWE roster sizes have been in the past um it's it's absolutely tiny so yeah you've got that step back and then there's there's nothing there there's not like an another layer really of performers to go into so you go back to this third thing he gets his win at least for this I think Cesaro winning hopefully decisively over Seth at Money in the Bank with fans back it gets Cesaro a nice big baby face reaction and then hopefully but I just don't I don't see 
what's next? What's after that? I don't know how they get their storyline. Hopefully Seth just stops laughing because laughing isn't writing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. And we can stay away from all this laughter nonsense forever now. We've done yeah. that. But like, even if he does beat Seth, then 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 what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for, Zara, for Cesaro, you sense it's always just going to be that one step forward, two back, one step forward, two back. For, like forever and ever and ever. And you hope that he's just at least paid handsomely to do it. Yeah. Um, they dropped a like a little crumb on last week's episode when Seth Rollins, this was obviously before the reveal of Edge, went backstage and kind of hassled um, Pierce and DeVille for the, the next match against Roman, ultimately. Um, yeah. said that by the virtue of the win on that show as well as the win at Hell in a Cell that it's got to be him and then it was interesting that they kind of alluded to oh we've got someone else in mind and then you get that edge return at the end and it's after Paul Heyman has ran down the list of everybody they've beat which of course doesn't include Seth Rollins Yeah. Um, this is quite nice actually because I feel like this will ultimately get us to Seth and Edge at SummerSlam yeah. in that, that rumoured match which you know, like really it's fresh, but I think a few people will enjoy the fact that a million billion years ago in WWE terms, Edge once threatened to re-break Edge's neck. I mean, yeah. it's like 2015, like I'm a patient man with Sasha and Bailey, but even that's like, you kind of have to draw a line and be like, right, this is a new story. But people will like that. People I think will, and it's just an interesting combination. It's more of Edge fighting the people that are new to him rather than Randy Orton or people yeah. that you'd already fought. It's more of the, the dream matches that when you think of a possible Edge comeback, these are the yeah. people that you think of. Yeah, that's it. So I think that's like that's definitely SummerSlam worthy. But it also perhaps tees up Seth as an interesting post SummerSlam opponent for Roman as well. So I, like I'm, if not particularly with Cesaro, I'm kind of curious to see if they try and pepper any of that in between now and I guess now and Money in the Bank when Seth pivots to like the end of Money in the Bank when Seth pivots to Edge. I wonder if we'll see a little bit more of Seth's aspirations creeping out in the midst in the midst of the Cesaro thing. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think that's a good shout. Like, I think just Seth versus Roman at some point on a sort of B pay-per-view after SummerSlam is an interesting prospect anyway, because we've seen a lot of pure babyface fire going up against Roman Reigns. It'd be interesting to see how this sort of Seth Rollins kind of crazy, like, hyping himself, like, uh, character works against Roman Reigns, and especially with the history that they'll end up playing off. I think it could be quite interesting, especially if Roman Reigns ends up kind of swatting him away and going like, what the hell are you doing? You pathetic little man kind of thing, yeah. uh, which would you're then feed into... Yeah, you used to fight even even more. baby faces. I'm a complete dickhead. You haven't had a yeah. challenge like me before. Yeah. And then if Roman does just completely swat him away, that'll feed into Seth Rollins just like... Uh, just forgetting about every like, actual outside thing that's happened and just like going <laughs> internally and going, oh my God, like I'm the best in a way, but he has to then prove it so much because he's been defeated on such a high level. Mm. No, I, I do. I think that's really intriguing chemistry. People look like this is what happens when you actually get acts over. People will forever yeah. love the Shield and you bring those two together and there's just that like sort of electricity because the Shield meant something to people. And I think whenever they come together, there's that little bit of spark. Um, and Seth Rollins can always say, I don't know where you were last year, but I took a guy's eye out. What you? <laughs> so he's got that in his back pocket as well. Right. I've been putting off getting to this. Um, <laughs> we're going to end this podcast not on a high, but the lowest of lows. Um, last week, Baron Corbin, no longer King Corbin, obviously. Nakamura looked amazing in that white gear, so I hope that becomes his wrestling attire for a while. I but, genuinely loved that segment with Shinsuke and Bu. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like five minutes of them just rocking out being idiots. I'm fine with that. <laughs> it was long, but I certainly... It was had, a little bit long. It had its charm. It had its style. <laughs> 
But um, yes, it, it, we cut to the back. Um, Kayla, I believe it was, um, speaking to, getting King Corbin's name wrong. Sorry, Baron Corbin now. Yeah. Baron Corbin. And uh, the whole thing was he was droopy. He had a hand dog expression. He's, uh, he was a sad clown, wasn't he? Because he'd lost his crown. <laughs> um, you thought they were probably going to like hit this over the next few weeks. Maybe you were going to see. Remember that time that Seth came out like looking bedraggled? After he'd lost to Drew McIntyre, I think it was. And yeah. hilariously, after Becky Lynch just now she was pregnant. Like, <laughs> came out like, hair all over the shop, just like, was in no mood for anything. Um, you thought maybe that was where they were going to go with Baron Corbin. You thought wrong, because news broke this week that WWE have filed a trademark for Happy Corbin. Um, look, this time, a couple of years ago, one of the best wrestlers in the company started wearing Space Jam clothes. And... <laughs> Infamously, the G was a ruler. Um, are we going to get Baron Corbin's face? Only it's not a face. It's like the smiling yellow emoji slapped across his vest or across his tights, something like that. Is this going to be what Nakamura calls Baron Corbin in that, like, I was going to say, get the crowds to sing along. It's not even that. They're going to have to set up happycorbin.wav as like the big <laughs> echoes around the Thunderdome. Like, so Baron Corbin's got to cover his ears backstage because he's so sad. And everybody's going, happy Corbin. Like, what, what, what's going on? I have no idea. They, like, you bring up Shorty G. I was going to bring him up as well because it seems very much like the same kind of trajectory, yeah. like almost <laughs> in terms of gimmicks, just in a sort of opposite manner. But, I mean, Corbin's, he's had a weird time of it on SmackDown. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like, we all remember the sort of dog food incidents with yeah. Roman Reigns and the people dressing up as dogs and things. And then he was quite a pivotal part in the whole Shorty G situation. Um, obviously, the King thing ran its course way too long. And I'm kind of glad that's over now, to be honest. But not that long ago, they were teasing about like a, a sort of, big money Corbin kind of character where he's just arrogant and rich and a bit of a douchebag. And I think that would kind of fit him. And I don't know why they never did more with that. Like they teased after, was it uh, his, what was it? The Knights of the Corbin or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Of course, before they both got. Yeah. Because they went and then they had to rethink everything. So he was like wearing the fancy watches and the fancy Mm -hmm. suit and stuff. And it only lasted like a couple of weeks before they, reverted back to the king shtick and i don't know why they never ran down that line because it seems like much a like a much more easy fit with corbin as a personality (laughs) than whatever happy corbin is going to be uh but vince mcmahon has his little play figures and he he likes to make them act out stupid things and this is just going to be the latest in a long line of this it's strange because like you know, I know Baron Corbin's not a very popular figure amongst a lot of wrestling fans, but he kind of, you know, he lives this man from Del Monte life outside of wrestling, and it's a life that wrestling has afforded him. Ironically, yeah. Happy Corbin is how I would describe his social media presence. He Absolutely, yeah, with his barbecues and steaks and buys watches. Like he's pretty <laughs> content with his lot. Um, I just don't sense maybe that's going to travel onto onto the billion dollar wrestling show, Phil. Uh, every Friday on Fox. Um, what are your thoughts on Happy Corbin? If you've got any, please genuinely let us know. Do some Photoshop yeah. mock-ups for all I care. I want to see them. Let us know <laughs> what culture WWE. Um, if you would like to follow either of us, you can find Phil Chambers on Twitter at? At Phil My Chambers. And you can follow Hamlet at? Michael Hamlet. Um, 
tune in any more of these What Culture podcasts. I always forget how Wilborn wraps this up. So I'll just say again, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get them, and we will see you soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.